When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 140 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal. With me, my good brother, good friend, and the man that runs our Twitter page. That's right, it's Liam. Liam! Welcome to episode 140 of the DCAU Review. That's right, we are still uh, vacationing in the lovely city of Metropolis this month. So bright. Of course, as we mentioned last week, this year does in fact mark the 25th anniversary of Superman the Animated Series debuting on TV, so I'm sure we'll get through a lot of Superman this year, but this month we're kind of uh, sort of fell into this idea of focusing on some of the first appearances of some of Superman's rogues gallery that we had yet to cover, and we have another one like that on tap with the debut of everyone's favorite character, uh, Luminous, a.k.a. Lightner, and uh, in the episode Target. There we go. Uh, as we alluded to last week, if you listened to it, when we talked about Mr. Mixie's Spitlick and then previewed this week's episode, this was an episode and its uh, subsequent sequel where, for some reason, uh, they had these in heavy rotation on mm-hmm. Kids WB. It felt like once every uh, four weeks or six weeks, this episode seemed, or its sequel seemed to pop up once they had debuted. Uh, of course, this episode originally debuted on September 19th, 1997, and then I feel like it was played every six weeks after that. <laughs> uh, Liam, before we get into our review for this week's episode, uh, as we always do, you have ready to go our Internet Movie Database official synopsis for this week's episode. That's right, and this is for the episode Target, which was written by Hilary Bader, directed by Kurt Gaeta, with music by Lolita Ritmanis, and animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. Lois Lane finds herself marked for death by an unknown stalker. That's it? That is it. Okay. Uh, that they did not go deep into the description there on that no. one, so uh, it's up to us to fill out the rest of it, Liam. So uh, let's jump into our plot as we go through here. And um, yeah, so we open on what appears to be some sort of award that we award ceremony rather that we learn uh, Lois is nominated for, along with uh, several other writers one additional fellow that apparently does some work for the daily planet as well sort of a pulitzer stand-in maybe or Mm -hmm. like some sort of writing award that she's been granted and uh she's nominated it's uh, we learn for a piece that she did on some LexCorp uh scandal that has happened and as they're announcing the names, uh, she unfolds her napkin, and there's a message written on it that says, You win, you die. And wouldn't you know it, her name is called, and she is then uh, going up on stage to accept the award. And, well, this is the first time out of many times in this episode that we see somebody is out to get Lois. Yeah, and we'll we'll probably talk more about the specifics of the various death traps when we get to visuals and animation, certainly. But yeah, that is uh we we create a they create a, a very interesting mystery throughout the rest of the episode as Lois is as you said almost killed by this. Thankfully Superman happens to hear or Clark Kent who is in attendance with her happens to hear uh something doesn't seem to be something doesn't seem to be right. He uses his x-ray vision and notices a laser is slowly cutting through a uh something that's holding up this giant display piece that's about to fall on Lois and yeah then from there it's it's sort of a a series of various death traps that that Lois is avoiding uh, he tries to kill her with an elevator he tries to kill her with 
uh, with a car, with a, an, an out of control car. Um, and, and, uh, and then sort of the other thing is, of course, we're trying to figure out it's a mystery. Who's doing this? Who's trying to kill her? Is it Lex Luthor? Because the technology found underneath her car by Superman, in fact, was made by LexCorp. Is it her journalistic rival, Julian Frey, who, as you mentioned, was up for the same award, and once Lois has to kind of go into hiding, uh, we find out that he's actually starting to uh, to take on some of her assignments as well. Or could it, in fact, be a certain detective named Kurt Bowman, who, uh, if you have seen some other episodes of the series, he, he may or may not play uh, play a part, but certainly has a certain vibe to him. Uh, he's sort of a a soiled cop. We uh, they don't they don't get into specifics, but it's mentioned that Lois had also written an expose about corruption in the Metropolis Police Department, and that that had cost him a promotion. Um, so we we get uh, quite a few different options for who it could be, but one by one those suspects kind of fall away, and we find out that in fact it was the informant who had helped Lois write this original expose. Edward Leitner uh, is, in fact, the one who had been devising all of these bombs. And why is that, Cal? It's because he's an incel. <laughs> uh, a simp before simps yes. were, were things, right? He was simping for Lois Lane. He didn't, he didn't help Lois expose LexCorp because the truth was important or because pe- innocent people were going to be hurt. He did it because he had a crush on her, and when she didn't uh, reciprocate or even notice his feelings... He decided to murder her. Eddie, why are you doing this? What have I ever done to you? That's just it. You never did anything for me. And I risked it all. My job, my reputation, my research. I knew what would happen if Lex found out. You blew the whistle because it was the right thing to do. Wrong. I blew the whistle because I wanted you to notice me. You didn't. But you will now. Daddy was a black belt. You're an unusual woman, Lois. That's why I've taken unusual measures. In very elaborate ways. We say this all the time, but it's a tale as old as time, <laughs> William. I mean, I mean, and it's certainly one that has gained more popularity in the last, uh, I, I don't know, probably five years or so with the advancement in technology and perpe- mm-hmm. perpetuation of the internet. But it, it kind of is one of those stories looking back at it now you didn't probably realize or understand the depth or the sort of on-the-nose storytelling that they would have uh, there. I guess this sort of maybe at the time was more akin to a you know a creepy thriller movie or you know an mm. obsessed person that is uh, that is going to come after and kill somebody because they won't reciprocate their love. But it's really more relevant now than it ever has. Some you know twenty twenty four or so years later after this thing debuted. Oh, yeah. and it, I mean, it, yeah, you would think it's just this idea of this weird person obsessed with her. But to the point when we get to the end of the episode, Lois, like, had no, like, it wasn't like he was rejected by her. Right. Right? Like, he just imagined this romance with her. And then when she didn't notice him, he decided the only the only <laughs> recourse not was not to reveal his feelings or to try to move on with his life. It was to try to kill her with these incredibly elaborate death traps and he always gives her a little bit of time which of course the answer is well there needs to be time before the bomb goes off or whatever so superman can get there to save her but they do try to justify it within the episode of of like he really wanted her to have this dread and really wanted her to suffer Mm -hmm. and know that she was about to die before she died Um, look kent i'm not worried you shouldn't be either and now a very special request. Is there anything else on? Aldoverdi's version of You Win, You Die. It won't change. Dedicated to Lois Lane. Yes, Lois, you. What a shame that an innocent party like Mr. Kent must also suffer, but you never were one to let an innocent stand in your way. The psychology of that, from what I've heard in watching like true crime, uh, true crime stories and stuff like that, is the idea that the the person that the the person that is perpetuating these situations wants to have some sort of control over the person, and the fact that they didn't even 
that their victim never even noticed them at this point, they have to give them the attention that they're seeking. So psychologically, as far as like comparing it to a a real world creepy scenario that has certainly happened multiple times in real life, Mm -hmm. it it's spot on for that. Like this, he's a, he's a creep that for whatever reason, wasn't, I mean, clearly, I mean, she, acts completely off guard in this story as you mm-hmm. said so it's like she comes out of left field that she didn't even she didn't even know so whether he didn't have the confidence to or just didn't have the wherewithal to be able to express his feelings to her or just assume that she would stumble into <laughs> love with him i don't right. i don't know based on their contact i i don't know uh but yeah this is it's interesting that this has such real world connotations uh, especially you know certainly more recently than maybe it did at, at the time that this was written but there's a lot of a lot of uh interesting it, i think as far as the plot is concerned to me and it's interesting that we mentioned detective bowman shows up in this episode uh there is a little bit more intrigue and it's more I don't think we don't have Superman doing as much investigation as we do in this episode as it is a Lois. A Lois is doing her own investigation. So it's sort of Mm -hmm. like a companion piece to that late Mr. Kent style episode where we see Clark Kent doing his investigative work and Mm -hmm. having to figure out who this person was that had it out for him. And the flip side of this on this episode is, okay, so Lois is trying to uncover as she's sort of being victimized and, and, attempting to be killed here Mm. she has to really do put on her reporter investigator hat and try and figure out okay of these suspects of these people that are in my life that have a reason to be killed it's funny detective bowman even makes the comment Mm. make a list of people that want you dead (laughs) but do me a favor keep it to one page as if obviously she has made plenty of enemies here so is it lex is it bowman is it leitner is it julie you know is it her colleague julian like we, we don't know um, so the fact that we see that that aspect of it, I thought that was really unique and, and, a, and a good storytelling uh, way of telling this story. Yeah, to your point, it is a mystery, not unlike ones we've seen in other episodes we've covered, but it is it does manage, manage to be unique. And also, I think be, by telling it from Lois's perspective, obviously she isn't indestructible. She isn't a superhero, so her dealing with you know her own vulnerability. Of, of not knowing who it is, of knowing that this person could be coming for her at any time, but her her journalistic instincts, her her need for the truth still driving her even when she's putting herself in danger. I think that's like a really classic Lois Lane type motivation and, and motif for Absolutely. her in this episode where even though she knows she's putting herself in danger and there's always the chance Superman won't get there this time... Uh, certainly at the end there when she goes to confront Leitner once she kind of pieces together that it must have been that it must have been him after after Clark tells her that uh, one of their colleagues Angela Chen uh, called to congratulate her after hearing about the the award on the news she realized that Leitner couldn't have possibly known about the award as he had talked about being locked up in his uh, laboratory with no TV or radio, so... I just hate this. I can't sleep, I can't eat, I feel so helpless. Why don't you just relax? I can't relax. I feel like I should be out there doing something, not sitting here wondering what everybody else is up to. It feels wrong. Why? Let other people take the risks for you for a change. The world can get by without Lois Lane for a couple of days. Yeah, time for Julian to steal all my stories and my byline. Oh, by the way, Angela Chen called. She heard about your award on the news last night and wanted to congratulate you. On the news, huh? You know, Clark, maybe you're right. Let everyone else take care of things. That's the spirit. In fact, I think I'll go relax in a nice hot bath. Right now. See ya. Yeah, she really really gets to shine her, like, detective, like, powers of deduction Mm -hmm. type type uh, skills that she has there and putting that because it is it's a threat and if you listen if you pay attention and obviously we have the the benefit of hindsight of watching mm-hmm. this episode but he says that in the very first interact scene that they have interaction that he compliments her mm-hmm. and congratulates her on winning this award and then later on she's triggered to, to remember that and asks him sort of subtly she's trying to do it subtly she doesn't come at him and say i know that you're the person right. because of what you said she just sort of subtly asks him hey you know do you have a TV or a radio in here? Like, mm-hmm. wh- why not? And then 
you know, to his credit, Leitner quickly figures out that he's unfortunately set his own trap there to reveal Mm -hmm. who, and fallen into his own trap to reveal that he, you know, he's the person out to get her. You certainly have the most amazing collection of gadgets, but no TV, no radio? Never. They're a wasteland of call-in drivel and news trivia. It would just break my concentration. What is it? You know, don't you? Know what? (sighs) Tell me, Lois. How did you figure it out? You congratulated me on my award, remember? If you were cooped up in this lab all night with no TV, no radio, then how did you know I'd won the Excalibur? Such a clever girl. Yeah, and I I think the that so yeah I really love the way this is all crafted. I will say the last little bit here, and I think it's more just because it's still a kids' cartoon and you need Superman to punch somebody at the end. Right. All I feel like the hologram and laser belt that he puts on <laughs> the force field generator, powered by a red sun that allows him to go toe to toe with Superman for a minute at the end. That feels like super tacked on and i feel like it doesn't i know it's weird to say it breaks your immersion in the story about superman but but it's like it's such like a like as we said like this grounded you know mystery thriller piece and then it goes very super you know very super villain at the end there well and comparing it to can't help but compare it to the late mr kent episode Mm -hmm. just because of the format and the style of the episode but comparing it to that, I think we said the same thing when that, you know, Detective Bowman has to get in a helicopter and right. start shooting at Superman from a, <laughs> from a you know, police helicopter. It's right. like, what, what, what is this? How does this happen? Like, where did this, how did we get here? So, yeah, yeah I agree with you. Yeah, and, may, and again, you can you can nitpick it now. It's like, oh, well, maybe it could have just been like other death traps that Superman had to work through to sure. get to Lois because she's in this like laser cage and the 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 laser bars are closing in around her. And they're electrified, right? To the point so where Superman so- can't just walk through them or whatever. He needs to. So yeah, maybe they could have found another way to slow Superman down, and it could have been more of a race against time thing as opposed to him literally fight going fist to fist with uh with lightner at the end there but that being said i still think it's a really really strong story and uh like i said uh, for the for the focus on lois and how good her characterization was in this episode i gave it a very strong nine out of ten nice uh i'm just a tick lower i went eight out of ten uh which i very much surprised me based on how much i feel like i despise these episodes but <laughs> i think I think for the story itself and the writing and, and everything that we've talked about, it fits really well, especially mm-hmm. if this is the first time that you've ever seen this episode, if you hadn't seen it in a while. I I did not remember all of the moving parts as far as the, the red herrings that they put in there as far yeah. as the other suspects of who, who could be. That wasn't something that I, that I remember, I guess, you know, not having the... I guess just from seeing it so many times and just having the disdain from it, not remembering that that was elements that they put in there and having that more critical eye of looking at it as we do here in our reviews. Um, I will say, I I guess the only, the only excuse or the only thing that I would say, say that why they thought they had to tack this suit thing on at the end was that they knew that they were bringing him back in four episodes or whatever it was later. And they had to make him somewhat of a threat, and you have you have a little bit of foreshadowing with the red sun technology because that's a huge mm-hmm. part of that follow up episode, obviously. For sure. So um, I, I I guess that that's why. And and it's hard. We've talked about that too, especially when we've reviewed these episodes. It's hard to make somebody a physical opponent for Superman, especially mm-hmm. that's not an alien or right. somebody in a robot battle suit. Right. So uh, how do you make somebody a physical threat uh, to Superman? Uh, you have to do something kind of off the wall, zany, bend the rules of sci-fi. So uh, I don't disagree with you. It did feel very out of place at the end here. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I think they could have done something else. He could have had a trap set up for Superman or something that would have you know, prevented him from simply just using his fists to yeah. to figure it out, which he ultimately does. But um, yeah, strong score either way from both of us as far as plot's concerned. Absolutely. All right, well, now let's move on to visual and animation. Uh, I think you said Coco and Dong Yang were the animation studios mm-hmm. that did this episode. Uh, visually, as far as being on model, I didn't find anything too far off model. We nope. do get some some different character models. 
Um, here, some some new colors or, or different colors. Uh, I think we've seen seen a few of them before. But what stood out for you as far as uh, as far as this week's episode and visuals and animation are concerned? Uh, yeah, I think definitely the the stuff that stands out to me is the the various death traps that uh, we find out Lightner has created for Lois. As we mentioned, the first one is just like a laser fraying the ropes of this giant display. Um, that sort of it's a bigger version of the award uh, that, that a, an Excalibur sword. Yes, it's a big like jade sword, and as it comes crashing down, Superman zips in at the last second and kind of covers covers Lois and a very and, similar visual to the one that I think that we talked about in the where he does to Lana, right? Uh, yes, where he covers her over, sort of on top of her, which mm-hmm. is which was a Fleischer cartoon esque type visual oh, too, so. where he stands over top of him, sort of covering her to protect her from the uh, from the uh, doom that is falling from the sky. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely good call with that. So that's. That's that's definitely fun. The the whole sequence where uh, her car is kind of out of control and speeding across the highway. I thought the the animation, the way they kind of show it, they show a lot of like POV shots from like the hood of of Lois's car as it's weaving through traffic and nearly hitting vehicles. And you know they take like the sharp turn off on, onto like a service route and end up on another highway. And Clark goes flying out of the car and. And then, of course, Superman uh, shows up at the last second to save her and pluck the car out of the air. But, yeah, I think the death traps are really what stand out to me from this episode. Yeah, uh, I I would not disagree with you on that. I think uh, one of the things I love talking about, car chases are something that they seem to have a lot of fun with no matter what mm-hmm. what show it is that we're watching. Those are usually storyboarded and then animated very, very well. Uh, the action there seems to be to be fun. Um, I would say visually, there's not a lot of excitement to be had. I, I sort of alluded to we get some different character models that when we're used to. We get Lois in blue instead of her trademark purple mm-hmm. or her alternate red and black look. Um, we get uh, we get Clark. He's sort of wearing a a a Bruce Wayne esque like. Tan greenish, yeah, it's like a tannish suit with a black tie. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if that tie goes with that. But <laughs> I'm not an expert in that. It's so. definitely it's like khaki ish style mm-hmm. suit. Uh, I think we had seen that maybe once before because I feel like we commented on it, but mm-hmm. typically not. You know, typically we get Clark in his blue, which is mm-hmm. interesting because typically in cartoons you you see the character models and they stay the same colors right. just for ease of of transition and animation so it's nice to see that oh it's not bruce wayne who wears the same suit literally (laughs) every single episode uh, that he's in 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 the animated series you know so uh nice to see some some change-ups there as far as they're visually uh i don't think uh lightner in this episode is anything visual visually he's not an interesting villain um, I did want to mention that uh, that Julian, the her, the associate, the her colleague, Lois's colleague, that also works for the Daily Planet. Uh, apparently, he just wears tuxedos everywhere. Uh, he because he's he's seen in the in the opening scene, which uh, Lois and Clark are wearing formal wear, and it's clearly very dressed up. Uh, it's a it's an award ceremony, so everybody's dressed up, uh, you know, in their Sunday best, as uh, as <laughs> as the Joker would say. And uh, then later on, he's seen he bumps into Lois at the Daily Planet, where they sort of lay the groundwork that maybe he is the person behind. Uh, the uh, the death traps set for Lois, and he again is wearing his tuxedo. So the man just he just wears a tuxedo wherever <laughs> he goes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's kind of interesting because as you as you mentioned in that award scene, uh, yeah, Clark and Lois in their formal wear as well. So we get a lot of different alternate uh, character designs. But yeah, it was it was funny that he's just. Like days later, still still on that same tux, it appears. But and of course that that appearance leads to one of the other more interesting death traps in the episode, which is Lois getting into a rocket propelled elevator. Yes, uh, which blasts through the roof of the Daily Planet, crashing into a helicopter. Man, what are the chances? Great. You're not safe. I'll give you exactly one minute to prepare to meet your maker. Yeah, that's actually a really fun little sequence because that's uh, as far as like some giving Superman something to do besides just catch Lois when she's falling in this episode. He has to both 
he has to basically wait on catching, stopping Lois from soaring away in the elevator. Yes, to catch the pilot and the co-pilot who both fall out of the helicopter, and then basically stop the the helicopter with his feet, and he kicks it off. And wouldn't you know it, for the ninety seventh time, a a flying vehicle crashes into the Metropolis River. It's just there's got there's more metal wreckage in that water than water at this point. I have to assume. Well, it's it's funny. We always talked about that growing. Like even as children, we always joked about that. Like just that the rivers of Gotham are, or the rivers of Metropolis are just filled to the brim with various <laughs> different discarded vehicles because Superman just always throws stuff there: robots, helicopters. Right. Uh, cranes, planes, it doesn't matter. Superman just, just he's got it, he's going to discard it in, in the body of water that runs through <laughs> the city of Metropolis. That's right, so I always, I always like to point that out when that happens in an episode. <laughs> Crane, yeah, cranes, helicopters, planes, anything. Any, just metal wreckage everywhere in that water. Uh, <laughs> that water's got to be real polluted. Yeah, yeah, surprise Aquaman didn't show up to uh, deal with that. Uh, <laughs> So worried about. I don't even remember what he's what he's mad about in Justice League, but some, fracking. Like, I think yeah, nuclear like a nuclear sub spills or something. Man, you'd think all that, <laughs> all that like fuel and oil and whatever spills and toxic metals spewing into the the bays, which bleed into the oceans. You'd think that would be a problem that he might want to address as well at some point. <laughs> maybe maybe once he was in the Justice League, he like had a heart to heart with Superman. He's like, can you please stop? <laughs> Can you please stop throwing vehicles into the water? Right. It's really a problem. <laughs> You're really, really killing all of the ocean life. A lot of my friends are dead. Right, thank you. But all anyway, right, moving I... on. No, uh, but as far as like the rest of the episode, there's not a lot visually that's interesting. There is a dream sequence that Lois has where mm-hmm. there's a masked individual that sneaks into her house and hurls her over the edge of her penthouse apartment Uh balcony mm-hmm. very that that's some tension but we learned quickly that there's right. no there's n- nothing it's it's animated well I oh guess. yeah yeah which again has like a pov shot of her just like falling down like when you hit the ground they even like threw in a little sound effect of her actually hitting for sure uh, before she snaps back awake so yeah the, definitely definitely some cool stuff um yeah the lightner fight at the end i think it is cool like they kind of established it's this force field so when superman's punching Lightner, like, energy is, like, flying off and, like, shooting out the roof of the yeah. place, and as, as Superman sort of starts to knock him back, and then he shoves him into the uh, the laser laser energy bars and, and shorts out his system, so it's a cool fight. Um, yeah, so there's definitely some cool stuff. The design of all the death traps I enjoyed. I gave visuals a, a pretty strong 8 out of 10. Nice. Uh, I went uh, two ticks lower on it just because I didn't. I didn't feel like, and I don't think there's a disagreement alarm needed for this. But I mm. didn't. I wasn't overly blown away or impressed by the visuals. I thought maybe that that they could have done a little bit more. Yeah, the death traps are 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 fine. Uh, but I, you know, they're it's an elevator, rocket powered elevator. <laughs> it's a car. You know, there's there's there wasn't anything super unique. Mm. I, d- I will point out also that a lot of the technology in in uh, in Lightner's lab seemed to be Fleischer era Superman inspired. Mm. Uh, they're yeah, very forty sci fi. Absolutely, stuff. yeah, d- definitely. So uh, they did do some do some nods uh, here and there to Fleischer Superman, which always gets a gets a a, a smile out of me. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I I think that uh, there could have been more. It's just so much of this was relied on the actual story and the storytelling as far as visuals were concerned it was hard to get for me to give it a a higher score than six that's fair enough yeah i think i think my higher score more more comes from just the the technical aspects the good work done by kurt gata as the director and coco uh slash dong ying as the animation company especially in like i said that that car sequence sure Lois falling and all that. So yeah, definitely not the most spectacular episode, but I thought uh, yeah. the the technical achievements of the uh, of the director and storyboard artists and everyone uh, they did they did a heck of a job with what they were given. Hey, that's fair. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which will be music. And uh, we've talked about it a couple times as we've reviewed this. They have WB has released one single soundtrack uh, collection for Superman the Animated Series, which is a smattering of episodes from across all three seasons. But 
does not include this episode, so this is not one that you can really uh, tune into and listen to these uh, particular pieces. I think uh, Lolita Ritmanis was responsible for the music for this week's episode, but we didn't uh, aren't able to really listen to these ep- these pieces in isolation, so it's hard hard to really listen and appreciate them in their uh, their original form. I will say that I think that the 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 car scene, the scene where Lois's car is sort of hijacked by this technology. I thought that the the uh, music in that scene really builds the tension, especially once once Clark uh, falls out of the car. I mm-hmm. thought that that it really kicks in, really sure. really creates uh, some good tension for that scene. Uh, certainly, the final scene uh, with Lois in the death trap, where these lasers are closing in on her, and uh, it's really time sensitive as Superman's kind of somewhat getting his butt kicked at least for the first mm-hmm. first uh, few moments of the fight. It's uh, the, the music sort of supplies some 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 uh, some tension there as well, um, but other than that, uh, and a few few places maybe where the Superman animated uh, theme comes in, I I didn't have too too many notes here for music. What about you? Yeah, the uh, the dream sequence. I thought there's some pretty good like thriller, uh, you know, ominous eerie music. You know, coming to a big crescendo as as Lois falls, uh, was, was really well done. And as you mentioned, I think, uh, after, after he saves her from the elevator one, she, she sort of remarks, I'm, I'm just not having a good day. And, and they sort of fly away and we hear the Superman theme kind of played very like softly and like sympathetically, I guess, <laughs> uh, which I thought was, was, was clever. Yeah, definitely weaved the, the Superman theme in well, uh, throughout the episode. Not, yeah, as you mentioned, it's, it's tough. It's tough to really isolate the the good work being done by these uh, by these composers when we aren't able to to hear just the soundtrack on its own. But I gave it a I gave it a six out of ten. I enjoyed it. I think it adds to it, but uh, nothing nothing particularly spectacular stood out to me in this one. Yeah, I gave it a seven out of ten. I think I, I was prepared to give it a six out of ten, and then really thinking about that that car chase sequence, I think that the music really did mm-hmm. did well. Uh, in that in that uh, in that sequence particularly that, to stand out um, yeah it's a shame as we always say you know it's a shame that these haven't been uh, properly released in the ability to sort of appreciate them on standing on their own maybe 25th anniversary of uh, of Superman the mm. animated series will bring about another uh, volume of this uh, Superman crossed. soundtrack uh, as they eventually did release all of the music from Batman the animated series uh, mm. across multiple volumes so here's hoping that we get some maybe in the year 2021. Definitely. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day, which is going to be voice acting. Uh, So we have, of course, some of our standards for the series, but uh, we also have a couple of uh, familiar voices uh, that you may know from mm, other animated series. (laughs) In fact, we do. Uh, First, we'll mention, as as we mentioned, jo- uh, Lois's uh, journalistic rival, Julian Frey, played by Jonathan Harris, who folks might know from the original Lost in Space series, okay. as well as uh, doing a voice in A Bug's Life. Uh, again, he's just kind of there to be one of the, the weird guys. He's just kind of this pompous, slightly British uh, <laughs> guy. I don't know. That's kind of a, an indistinct... Uh, uh, somewhere, somewhere in that in that neck of the woods accent, that he, uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's good, but uh, it's just it's just kind of a kind of a random, like we said, a, a red herring there. We have uh, Eddie Barth, of course, returning or not returning, because technically this episode aired first, even though we don't air oh, we don't uh, review the Superman episodes in order. But who we've talked about previously in uh, uh, in the late Mister Kent as Kurt Bowman, this as we mentioned, this sort of soiled, uh, dirty cop who was uh was exposed by Lois Lane at one point in the past and he only has a few scenes but it is great to have a little bit of world building there that this guy who they even they float him as a suspect uh in this episode and then it turns out to not not be true but there is also just this like unanswered scene of where Lois wakes up from her nightmare and he's just on the building across from her apartment staring at her. What um, really laying the groundwork for what a creep this guy is. Absolutely. So it's it's <laughs> He really deserves that gas chamber. Oh my god. 
<laughs> oh man, I forgot about the gas chamber. Guilty uh, of being a creep. <laughs> if you're interested in what we're talking about, check out the uh, review of the late Mr. Kent in the archives at dcaureview.com. Absolutely, it's a great episode. But uh, yeah, he's he's good in his minor uh, appearance. And I will mention just briefly before we get to the main players, uh, Robert Ito, who of course played Kyodai Ken slash the Ninja, has a small voice cameo as the awards presenter at the start of the episode. So mm-hmm. cool to see another familiar name in the in the credits there, and then. Yeah, before we get to our our main cast, we of course have Robert Hayes, who folks may know from the Airplane movies, but we know him, Cal, as the voice, the true voice, Robert Downey Jr. can suck it, of (laughs) Iron Man. (laughs) Hashtag my Iron Man. That's right. Hashtag. That's right. He was, uh... He played Iron Man in the, uh, I guess there were two se- two seasons or three seasons of the... I believe two, yeah, two seasons. Animated Iron Man show that was also on Fox Kids mm-hmm. on Saturday mornings in the early to mid-90s. Uh, he then would then go to, to, to follow up that performance. He played him in additional series. I believe he played him in the Spider-Man mm-hmm. uh, animated series as well that ran on Fox Kids. He also then would then go on to play him in the Incredible Hulk series. Mm-hmm. Probably the X Men series as Probably. well. They're all um, crossed over at some point. Yeah, those 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 cartoons were all sort of loosely in the same universe, uh, as we sort of discussed before we went on the air here. But uh, yeah, his uh, it, I was today years old when I realized that he was also the voice of uh, Edward Leitner. Well, I think, and it's a credit to his ability as an actor because he doesn't sound like like he had a very specific kind of like cool guy raspy voice when he when he voiced iron man he's you know had a very under like under uh very calm cool underperforming yeah yeah. under under underperforming cool calm collected voice as iron man you really hear it when he's doing the the voiceover for the sort for the death traps Mm -hmm. if you listen to those voiceovers when he comes over the radio in lois's car or when he jumps uh you know when he's speaking to lois when she's in the elevator you really hear it that's when i was like man that voice sounds so familiar i don't know what i can't can't like quite put my finger on it but there's something there that i recognize and that's to me that Mm -hmm. most resembles that voice of iron man for sure but yeah his his regular sort of edward leitner voice is uh is is quite different so credit to him again as as an actor he did a did a fantastic job and like you said it like because we have one scene with him earlier in the episode where uh he reveals to lois and clark that the the technology is from LexCorp. And then we don't see him again until the end there when we have that reveal. But I also think he does a good job in that scene where he's kind of calm and talking about how, you know, television's a waste and a distraction, whatever. And then the the light bulb goes off and he realizes that she's found him out. And that switch to being more of a more of a traditional psycho villain. I think he did a, a very good job with that. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I think his performance is really good. Of course, we know, as we've already stated, he comes back just a few episodes after this. So... We get a follow-up where he's he's definitely more of a focal point in that. There's a lot more work that he does in that follow-up episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, kudos to him. He his like you, I, I think what you pointed out, his ability to sort of be that sort of just normal run-of-the-mill guy, uh, and then he sort of switches to a more sinister-sounding uh, mm-hmm. voice, especially in that scene where Lois really discovers he put, she puts two and two together, mm-hmm. and then when he puts two and two together to figure out that she's figured it out, uh, there's a switch sort of in the way that he speaks. And Absolutely. it's very creepy. Very creepy. Yes. Yeah. Done very well. Absolutely. Great job uh, by Mr. Hayes in this episode. And then, of course, we have our, our main cast. We have just three of them this week. It's Briefly, we have Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor, which is interesting because he's he's really an ally to Lois in this episode. Like, he's he genuinely is concerned for her and mentions that he'll do everything he can. And, in fact, that's the only reason that Superman gets to her in time to save her at the end is because he calls Lois to let her know that this shipment of technology had gone missing just after Lightner had been fired mm-hmm. and Superman and or Clark is able to put it together. So it is interesting to see Lex sort of, despite being this, you know, the, the, the villain of this series, uh, for whatever reason, I know it's, it's mentioned in the, in the pilot that they dated briefly, like whether it's like, he just has a soft spot for Lois or if it's just it wouldn't be sporting to kill her this way or whatever, but he he does he is like a genuine help in this episode. It is interesting to see him cast that way. Another in a long line of killing machines. 
It's not as much fun when you're on the receiving end. I heard about the regrettable incident at the Excalibur Awards. Yes, and this little goodie was in my car. I have evidence. It was manufactured here at LexCorp. Really, Lois, I wouldn't leave so blatant a trail, even if I were out to get you. And you're not? No. Why would I be? I respect you and what you do, even when you're taking pot shots at my company. But the device... This disturbs me as much as it does you. If it came from LexCorp, I'll find out how it ended up in your car. I promise. Trust me, Lois. Trust him? Why would you do that? He's just trying to keep you from nosing around LexCorp. Probably. But I believed him when he said he wasn't behind it. The way this assassin keeps warning me, it's like he wants me to suffer first. Liam, do you like your Lex Luthor with shades of gray, or do you prefer him to be a straight-up supervillain? Well, as a, as a Smallville fan, I think I, I have to say that I, I prefer I prefer the idea that he's not he's not completely gone. Or right. at least there are certain people that maybe he is softer on than, than others and I, I think that that works here um but also what we can also see again playing off i think something that happens in the pilot is he has like this weird contempt for clark kent which is of course hilarious because it's also superman but, like i think it's in the first episode clark mentioned something about how oh well this you know when when corbin steals the robot you could actually get a really big insurance payment and you get to design an even bigger robot for the U.S. government to counteract the one they just stole. And he's like, okay, Mr. Kent. <laughs> and then that's, that's, that's very much like reference subtly here when he's when he's giving him a message. You got that Kent. He's berating him for, yes, like he, on, whether, on whether or not he's able to capture, yes. <laughs> capture a few sentences of information about the origins of this technology. That's right. Hello? Kent. I was hoping to speak to Lois. She's not here. Then take a note. I've traced the material she was asking about. It was part of a lot that went missing from inventory right after her little snitch Leitner was fired. Did you get that, Kent? Hello? Hello? Clark literally leaves the phone off the hook, uh, thus foiling Lex once again. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's some good dynamic with that, and Clancy Brown does a great does a good mm -hmm. job. It's it's a different. It's definitely. I, I felt like listening to his performance. It's very. He did do a subtle difference in the way that he delivers his lines here. It doesn't have that quite as hard of an edge. He does when he's talking to Clark on, yes. on the phone. That's when it kind of comes through. But in his in his uh, interaction with Lois. And there's there's a sur sort of lighter, uh, calmer, more peaceful tone to it without that sort of subtle edge that Clancy Brown typically does. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting performance, even in sort of the minor role that he's in today. But For he sure. But of course, always fantastic there. We have, of course, uh, the main guy, Tim Daly as Superman. Um, and again, he's sort of a, 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 he's the secondary player. He's kind of the sidekick to, uh... I think there's more Clark in this episode, yes, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, he's sort of along for the ride on, uh, on Lois's investigation, uh, more than anything. But he does a, has a solid job, again, in some of these smaller interactions when he's, when he's offering to, to stay at Lois's place and, <laughs> and everything. And he's trying to show genuine concern, but of course she, thinking of him as just Clark Kent, is like it. Like, you might as well just murder me. Right. <laughs> like, having Clark Kent there as her protector is about the same as not having anyone as far as she's concerned. So it's funny to see that interaction play out. But, of course, the, the true star of this episode has to be uh, uh, Lois Lane, Dana Delaney, who we've, we've always sung the praises of. She's, you know, she's the Lois Lane. And as you mentioned, this episode, because this episode so focuses on her and her investigation and her vulnerability... Uh, she gets to really kind of stretch her legs a little bit and, and and show us, I think, a few different sides of Lois while, as as we talked about in plot, still giving you that, that crusader for the truth that you would expect from Lois Lane. Yeah, she, um, she really... I mean, she starts out at the beginning sort of brushing this off, and it's just, you know, it's not really a big deal. Maybe she's a little bit rattled, but she gets more and more shaken sort of as the episode goes on, and then you get, it culminates with this dream that she has with somebody throwing her over the edge, and she just, she, she it, like, it feels like she's at a breaking point where she's mm -hmm. just going to lose it, and then she sort of snaps back into to realize like who she is. It's like, Oh, I'm Lois. Oh, yeah. Like I'm Lois Lane. <laughs> I'm like, I can figure this out. I can put two and two together. Like, I'm not going to let this guy 
like torture mentally torture me like i'm not right. gonna, i'm not going to give in to what exactly he's telling me that he wants me to do and i'm going to figure it out and mm-hmm. her performance comes off that way she does a really really excellent job uh you know she like you said she has a wide range of 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 certainly of emotion that she has to has to express from the you know the inquisitive reporter angle to the to like i said the more rattled like frightened terrified thought of you know the unknown and whether or not this guy's going to succeed in killing her to the you know to the more to you know to to kind of any, anywhere in between there she she does a really really good job <laughs> newsflash absolutely. she's she's really good absolutely not not a surprise but it, it was cool to see her get to uh really kind of flex her muscles here and, and show off what a, what a great actress she is and yeah, so for all these reasons, the strong performances from our leads as well as our guest actors, I actually gave voice acting a perfect ten out of ten this week. Wow, nice. Yeah, I gave it. Uh, I gave it a nine out of ten. Um, I think. Um, I think it is really, really strong. Um, uh, there wasn't one scene that I thought that necessarily drew out. Uh, to me that was like yes this is incredible this is there wasn't one thing that really stood out as like a this deserves a 10 out of 10 type performance mm-hmm. uh, but I, I I don't I don't fault you for giving it a 10 out of 10 either yeah I think I think my my because I think I originally had it at a nine and then I just felt like the ensemble is so good that's, Ra- that's rather good than one or two of them really lifting it for everyone else I just think it's the the ensemble cast there is it does such a good job of playing off each other. We we talk all the time about Andrea Romano's strength as a voice director, as well as the advantages of having people be able to record their dialogue in the same room with each other and be able to play off each other directly. Certainly, um, I'm sure certainly helped in this case as well. So yeah, just a, a a great job by everyone around and everyone working with each other in this episode did a great job. Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us uh, to our final score. Oh, 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 that's that's a sound we haven't heard in just a little bit. First one of the new year. It's uh, it's a bonus point, bonus point sound effect there, uh, and it's not mine. So, Liam, that must be it's yours. That's right. It's such a surprise. We didn't even discuss it before we went on the air. <laughs> I, I thought of it about halfway through the episode, <laughs> but uh, it is uh, for the scene. Where Lois is in the elevator, Superman stops it, and when he opens the door, he happens to repeat a line that was said by one Christopher Reeve playing the same character, Superman, in uh, Superman 2. your floor. I'm not having a good day. Which is, I believe this is your floor. Um, and it's funny because we get little tweaks or homages. We talk a lot about the Fleischer influences, but to have like a direct uh, sort of read a, a new Superman giving one of, uh, you know, for a lot of people, Christopher Reeve's Superman is the Superman, I think, especially in live action. For sure. So to have uh, have Tim Daly give his rendition of, uh, of that line and sort of a direct reference to a specific scene from one of those movies, I thought that deserved a, a special shout out for that. That's great. I love that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a, one of those blink and you miss it or, you know, if you're not paying attention, you might not quite, uh, or maybe you're not just as, as big a fan of, of, of Superman as as you are so uh yeah that's that's one of those that's uh that's easily missed but it's you're rewarded if you know what it uh know the homage or know that get the reference so that's really really cool um all right liam well then that will bring us to our final <laughs> scores for this week's episode uh totaling everything up on my side of things i end up with a uh, surprisingly strong 30 out of 40 what about you yeah and i'm a little bit higher than that i'm at 34 out of 40 nice all right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about rewatchability here. Um, I think based solely on the fact that this character 
plays a part in another episode. Uh, he comes back in Justice League Unlimited, I believe. Right. I think uh, it's just Justice League. Or Justice League, yeah, he comes back in Justice League. Uh, so this character makes multiple appearances throughout. Uh, it is an original character. I don't, I don't know if we oh, mentioned yeah. that or not. But uh, as far as we can tell, there wasn't much drawn off of as far as comics uh, continuity as far as this character was concerned. So uh, original character developed here. Now, I will say, if you've seen this episode... As much as I have, it's not a rewatch. It's not one that I'm going to go back to because I've seen this, as I've already said, countless times in my yes. life. I think going through watching this with a more critical eye and certainly a, a better appreciation and understanding of what the whole, uh, at least the the plot for this episode was, mm-hmm. I I appreciate this episode on a level that I didn't before rewatching it. Uh, you know, years yeah. later now. But, uh, so I give this like a one thumb up. It's important to the DCAU. It's a must watch because of that, because of the role he plays later on. But for me, it's not one that I'm going to watch over and over again because I've seen it so many times. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. We're we're kind of in the same boat on that part. This isn't necessarily... I think this episode is, and we will see when we get to those, but I, m- my memory is this one got played a lot. But compared to some of the other Lightner appearances, this one didn't get played at all. Yeah, like, the second one was definitely yes, shown. The, the one where he's <laughs> like, where he turns the sun red and. So many times. Uh, yeah, so the subsequent appearances, I think I'm more drained when I think about reviewing those than this one. But definitely because it is the first appearance of a, of a villain that's that's reoccurring throughout this series and others, I definitely think it's it's worth watching. And if you haven't watched it at all before, it's, it's a great Lois story yeah. as well, so. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's good and, and one of those that actually benefited, I think, from us looking at it a bit more critically and less from a fan, I've seen this so many times perspective. I think that, that actually helped it in this case. Absolutely. All right, William. Well, that will begin to wrap this week's episode up. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, uh, if you have not heard our prior episodes uh, discussing Superman the Animated Series, there's an easy way for you to go and access those. You can check out the archives at dcaureview.com. You can actually sort right on the website by series. So if you're curious what episodes we've covered before from Superman or Justice League or any of these ones that we don't review in order, the Batman episodes and the Batman Beyond ones we do review in order, so those Mm -hmm. Uh, whatever the last episode that we've covered we review those in production order so you can kind of figure out if we've reviewed some of the newer episodes of of, of Batman animated series uh, by looking at that but if you're curious about what episodes we've covered as far as Superman or Justice League or Justice League Unlimited or Static Shock uh, you can check those all out at dcaureview.com broken down by category if you're interested on what episodes that we loved the most there's actually a top pick section that lists uh, just the best of the best our top favorite picks thus far uh, across the DCAU don't forget you can also follow us uh, on social media at DCAU Review, easy for me to say, on Twitter <laughs> and on Instagram. Uh, Liam does a great job over there on Twitter. We love interacting with people and certainly uh, hearing your thoughts. Uh, what are your thoughts on this episode? Was this one that you uh, saw a lot? Remember being in heavy rotation like us? Uh, did you uh, appreciate it for the mystery that it was at the time? Or uh, or maybe you've always loved that. Uh, let Liam know. Tweet him at DCAU review. Liam, as we always say, we like to preview our episodes. We give kind of sneak peeks earlier on on Twitter, uh, kind of letting people know what we're going to be covering on there. So if you follow us, you already know. Uh, but let's uh, let's reveal what we're going to be discussing on next week's episode. That is right, Cal. And we are keeping up with our, our themes of uh, first appearances in the series of various Superman villains with another one, a classic sort of golden and silver age foe who has just one appearance in the DCAU, but what a memorable one it is. Uh, and that will be the giant ape Titano. We will, of course, be talking about the episode Monkey Fun right here next week. Ah, yes. Our friends at Tim Talk, those guys love that episode, oh, from yeah. my recollection. Oh, they yeah. tried to argue it into the top five DCAU <laughs> episodes squad, of all time. Monkey fun. <laughs> what are we doing? Over the edge. Uh, we love those guys, though. Yeah, they're great. All right. So, uh, until next week, though, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.